0: Thank you for signing on to On Scene First with Tracy Eldridge. I'm wicked excited to highlight the latest and greatest must-have tools and mental health resources for first responders. Currently, I am the Public Safety Community Engagement Manager at Rapid SOS, and after 24 years in public safety, first in the 911 center, and now still serving my community as a call firefighter in an EMT, I am looking forward to bringing you entertaining, educational, and empowering conversations with dedicated public safety difference makers that are harnessing the power of new technology, out-of-the-box thinking, and mental health support services to save lives on both sides of the call. Hey, friends. Welcome to episode one of On Scene First. I'm your host, Tracy Eldridge. My guest today is Michael Martin. Michael is one of the founders and the CEO of Rapid SOS. Michael's gonna share the story of how he went from being a quiet and shy Harvard Business School graduate to busting into the 911 space and making bold changes. He's also gonna
1: share the story about how he persuaded me to leave the 911 center after 20 years to join him on this mission, to thanking the 911 and public safety professionals that helped him along the way, Join me as I welcome my friend and mentor, Michael Martin. Michael, I just want to say thank you for joining me and welcome. How are you feeling right now?
2: I'm so pumped Uh, and thank you for having me, but um, it's funny how you introduced me. That's actually how I would introduce you, my CEO, my friend, so um, as most folks know, uh, when we started this thing, I knew nothing about public safety or 911. And so uh, we, we first met by Tracy bossing me around. Uh, and So I hope, Tracy, we get to share a few minutes of that story today along with all the others of the journey. But uh, it's just such a, such a privilege to be on and, and really hope that um, this is a chance to you know further connect to the public safety community and say thank you for all the work that they've done to help build Rapid as well over the last eight years now. So
1: yeah, awesome. So um, I know. So one of the things that um, I've decided that I'm going to do on this podcast is I'm going to pick a quote that kind of sums up my guest. Um, I love quotes. The quote that I picked for you is uh, by Constance Chucks Friday, and the quote is: "When you're bold, some people will think you're crazy." But it's more insane to be timid. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> just curious, what do you think of that quote? And then I'll let you know why I picked that for you.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I you know, I think from the earliest days for me, I think many people are, are somewhat familiar, but I had some personal experiences on being like. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up in rural Indiana. and Never thought about nine one in my life, you know. Until one day, I was walking home in Spanish Harlem in New York City, and needed to call nine one. Um, and, you know, I think um, obviously, I think you know, in that moment, you know, and realizing that there was opportunities to partner, to you know, make a difference here, you know, th- there's a degree of boldness in that. But I, I think of boldness in terms of all day long, every day right? Being in a profession where, you know, the people that we work with, Tracy, the people that we, you know, we try to help are running into the emergencies, right? Or, you know, when the rest of us are all staying home during COVID, they are going into work every single day, right? Um, And, and it's, so, you know, I like the concept of boldness because it so sums up like the entire public safety community and what they represent. And, you know, if, if, if we can be, uh, you know, try to <laughs> capture a tiny bit of that boldness and bring it to Rapid SOS, I mean, it's just like a superpower. So
1: absolutely. And that was one of the reasons why I picked that quote. So when I looked, um, as I was looking for the quote for you, it was a no brainer for me. We will, we have no choice, but to get into the story about um, how I came to be here <laughs> at Rapid SOS. Um, the the reason why I chose that particular quote was because I truly thought you were crazy like I'm not I'm not gonna lie when when you were sitting across <laughs> from yes yeah,
2: you told me <laughs> in my piece yeah.
1: app, I'm like I told you you were crazy so so that's a piece of it and we'll get into that story a little bit um, in just a little bit so I many folks in 911 know who you are today they they so many people know who Michael Martin is full of energy you know coming in here wanting to make change but I want to ask a question as to you first, because I think it, it kind of sets a foundation of, of who you were a long time ago. So who were you growing up? Tell us about that, Michael Martin.
2: Well, I grew up in a rural farming community in, in uh, Indiana. Um, so we were, lived about eight miles from a town of 1,500 people. And I think there's, you know, there's kind of like actually this interesting bifurcation between the environment that I grew up in and what I was like. So my mom was a small town rural doctor, um, one of the only ones in, in the whole county. And, um, you know, and there was just like this close sense of community and everything that occurred, you know, in, in Rockport, Indiana, basically. And everyone, you know, there were times where people couldn't, maybe couldn't afford to pay a doctor's bill, but they would bring us over, you know, a quarter of a cow, you know, that, that they had slaughtered or, or, you know, vegetables from their garden or things like that. That, that spirit pervaded, every element of my childhood i would say like the teachers the academic environment my brother is a teacher actually um where we originally um, went to school at and it was just such this incredible supportive caring community now you know i would say you know that did not lead for like some sort of empowered sense of self for me personally as a kid i was a total super nerd um and no it's, it's (laughs) <laughs> so um you know I, I would always been into kind of math and science um you know sports were really big in the community that I grew up in really brought people together my my brother was a standout athlete and I was I was not <laughs> so you know it was it was funny I mean I, I remember going to dance middle school dances Tracy and everyone would be out dancing and I would be playing chess in the corner uh so really was this very kind of shy super nerdy kid um and, and you know i think my parents also were trying to create as much opportunity as possible for me but they they ended up in kind of four different schools in four years um which was also just challenging for me to learn how to make friends and i was just very shy so it was um you know that that was uh you know part of that experience and then i, I went off to college at um this school in minnesota called Carleton college and on the first day they drew this Venn diagram, one side was nerds and the other side was ugly and then in the middle they put a little like arrow on the oversection and they're like, Carlton, this is your happy place. <laughs> and, and and really it was college, I think, where I felt came into my own, got comfortable with who I was, um, and and I think started to really be able to put energy towards things that would ultimately shape my life and my, my passions. But but yeah, I was a super nerdy kid and like one of the most supportive and loving communities that, that you could imagine, Tracy. But um it, it really took college, I think, for me to come into my my own.
1: Because I was gonna you know, and I and I, I had I had heard pieces of that story. So I knew that you were you were very shy and introverted. Um in case you didn't know, you and I are polar opposites. Um I am not shy and <laughs> I am not quiet. Um, but that's how I landed here, right? And you know, I wanted to know where was that pivotal change? Where where was that change where you decided if I want to get somewhere, if I want to do something, I'm gonna have to come out of my shell because and I think it was important for you to share that because everybody in the 9 space that knows you knows you as high energy outgoing, you know, will have no problem standing up in front of people and speaking about your passion. But one of the things that I know holds true is I think when your passion is involved, when you truly believe in something is when you can come out of who you might be behind the scenes. Do you agree? Yeah.
2: Yeah, In fact, I think it's was fairly instrumental. Like the, um, who I've become from rapid SOS is a direct and who I am today is a direct product of this mission right i mean when we, 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 we me, so when i first had this experience in new york city um I, I knew nothing about public safety so after that i just started cold calling 911 agencies so i tried to speak to 291 agencies a week and um you know amazingly these directors would talk to me <laughs> you know when there, there so much other stuff going on and and then eventually i went to went to grad school and um you know, that summer of grad school, I borrowed my dad's Prius and drove 1,500 miles across the United States and met with several hundred 911 agencies. Like, you know, I'll never forget cold emailing Christy Williams, who was President of and and she was kind enough to meet me for breakfast in Texas along my route, you know, and just there's just so much information. And what I realized is everything I thought about you know, 9-1 in public safety, that this, you know, I was a tech nerd and that like technology is going to magically solve all these problems and all this stuff. It was so much more complicated than that. It was really a national infrastructure challenge and there was just no funding or anything to take that on. And then just seeing though, in light of those challenges, Tracy, in light of 12 hour workdays, you know, poor salaries, you know, like in some cases, crumbling infrastructure, antiquated technology, like, Every day you know this community it reminded me of my community from when I grew up, right every day this community would come together to to take on that mission and help the millions of Americans that call nine one one every single day and, and it was i think it was the first time in my life tracy that like there was just this overwhelming sense of like purpose, you know like this is a challenge that we can solve it's not going to be easy, but we can do this together and and that's for me personally also you know meant um you know, kind of this epiphany moment where like, shy nerdy Michael needs to, you know, kind of in order for this to happen, I can't be afraid, right? And you have all these people, there was this this, this kind of swelling of supporting community of all those nine eleven directors that I was checking in with now that were iterating with me ideas. And it just felt like this is more than, you know, you or me or any you know, this was like a movement of people that cared about getting this done. And and that was transformative for my personal life.
1: And and you are so very lucky that those that many directors, you know, took the time to 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 kind of let you in as as you saw and many people that are trying to get anything into the 911 center, it's a very closed community. Um you know, we have to we, I say we cuz cuz you know I came from the 911 center. We have to trust what it is that that you are doing and to me I would love to know because I've heard you tell this story. Others have heard you tell this story. But what makes a Harvard business school <laughs> graduate go, I had a problem with 911, and now I'm gonna absorb this whole thing in because you could have just walked on. You you could have said, Well, that sucked, and then moved on. Like there had to like in my mind, I want to know that pivotal moment where you were like, I gotta fix this. Yeah
2: yeah yeah you know um so i had this incident um I, so because of how expensive it is to get an apartment in new york city i moved here and uh was living in spanish harlem and was it was like two in the morning i was walking home and just you know it, it was followed and and was certain i was going to have my welcome to new york mugging experience you know and, and your mind's just racing right like and, and 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 actually uber had just come out right so you could press a button and get a car, and I was like, "Man, like, why? How am I going to get my phone out, dial a number, and have a conversation right now? Why can't I just press a button?" And as you know, Tracy, like that, that yielded this idea that this was just a user experience. We needed an app for nine one one kind of concept. Um, but I think like going from that moment to like this is something that like I want to dedicate my life towards was really embedded in, you know, in those conversations with 911 center directors, but really in that summer in business school where I, you know, drove and met with all these agencies and just listening on calls. I, you know, I, I, as you know, Tracy, I had one particular call where a mother called after her son had committed suicide. He had hung himself in their closet oh and you know, the mom was just hysterical, you know, it's just, I mean, just as you can imagine, just screaming for help. And, and you know, I, I, I couldn't handle it. I actually took off my headset. And I walked outside. It was this beautiful, sunny June day. And that, you know, the 9 one telecommunicator didn't have that luxury, right? She stayed on the phone with the mother. She figured out the address and she stayed with her until the ambulance arrived. And then she did that for the rest of her 12-hour shift, right, for like $37,000 a year or something crazy like that, so I had this extraordinary opportunity, like, when you, you know, going to Harvard opened a lot of doors, and so it just felt like, you know, I didn't want to go, I don't know, figure out how to sell alcohol more efficiently or something else, right, like, there was this enormous challenge, and all these people that were dedicating their lives towards solving it, right, but but there was just, just felt to me like there was an opportunity to partner together, to bring technology and to try to help. And, and, and that, you know, I think that became just such a driving force, the people that I met all along the way. And then, you know, the, in the, in the, the people on, you know, that had, you know, it had these challenges um, when, you know, like, like Nathan Lee and, and, and stuff. I mean, just the extraordinary, um, extraordinary loss of Denise and 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 all those you know those sorts of experiences culminated in that summer, um, and ultimately you know led to just this driving force of rapid SOS. It's been so many people, right? All those nine one one telecommunicators that we met with that summer and, and continue to iterate with us, you know, on the technology. We we obviously, as you know, around the the uh, COVID response, everyone was entering their pandemic protocols. We worked with, you know. Big partners like, like Apple to try to get various, you know, pre-existing health information, allergies, blood type, all this information into, uh, into the protocols, hopefully, to help, you know, more, more efficiently get that information across. So there's, it's been a, an amazing journey, Tracy, and I, I just personally feel like so grateful to, you know, to be able to work with people that, that are making such a difference in the world.
1: So there's three things that I'm going to pull out of there. We will get to this little app thing that you talked about. <laughs>
2: um, oh, no. you going to make me relive it, Tracy.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know I have PTSD. I'm pretty confident you do as well for what I did to you. But um, I do want to go back to uh, what you said about the people that you met. And, and I would be, you know, it, it would be irresponsible of me not to have you highlight Nick Horlick um, who is one of, you know, just one of the many wicked smart dudes, that's what I call them, um, that has played a very significant role in driving this mission forward. Um, I know that you and Nick teamed up very early on. How did that happen? How, how do you find Nick and go, hey, let, let's let do this?
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I... I had this experience was working on the idea at Harvard Business School but when you go to Harvard Business School like everyone's got an idea they're working on no one has any real skills (laughs) you know I couldn't actually do anything myself so just trying to get over to MIT as much as possible and join every club attend every meeting right and just see and so over the course of that I met Nick and he had had you know different but other experiences around these challenges. He staffed the suicide prevention hotline at Tufts University in an undergrad, and he had had a, a couple of particular calls where, one notably, where there was a student that called the suicide line when they were in New York City, wandering through the Lower East Side, and while they could, you know, they figured out how to call NYPD, they didn't know where this individual was, so there was just no ability to get the two together to give the help that was critically needed. Um, And so it was a mission that really, you know, very quickly clicked with Nick. Um, And the other thing that was, you know, Nick has just a unique skill set, actually. I mean, obviously, he's he's extremely bright, Um, um, but he also was a Ph.D. nuclear engineer at MIT. Um, And so the result, like, often we don't think of it this way, but nuclear engineering is mission-critical, life-and-death stuff on 1970s infrastructure. So like Nick's background training, you know, he, he'd been at Argonne and Oak Ridge National Labs. He'd worked for a Bill gates back startup. So he, he had kind of built up this incredible skill set that was just critical for us. So now with that said, when you're a one of the smartest people at MIT, you can kind of do whatever you want. <laughs> so, um, so I had to chase him a little bit. <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll never forget, Tracy, we were... Um, um we, we obviously we had this idea but we had no money at all right so you're trying to apply for like grants and stuff so there was a, what's called the mit 100k which is like a hundred thousand dollar prize for the best startup at mit but you have to be an mit student to to apply yep. so obviously i wanted to, so it was the application was due at midnight on a sunday night and and nick was still you know he was he was really interested but he wasn't convinced yet that this was you know th- this was something that we could really you know try to take on and so i remember just calling him and, and convincing him to meet me so we met at dunkin donuts at 8 p.m uh in cambridge uh and nick's like for those of you that don't nick he's you know he like hardly ever drinks he doesn't you know like i had an orange juice and he had water you know, and I I had created all these slides. I was telling him about everything I was learning and all this stuff and, and you know, he also makes quite quiet. So he he, he didn't really say much.
1: I, I'm thinking then, you were a whirlwind coming in in that conversation.
2: Uh, yeah. And then, you know, and then he just said, you know, I I'm, I believe in this. You know, this is let's let's do it. So um so we wrapped probably about nine in the next three hours, um, we put together the application, submitted it. Um we ended up winning the audience choice award and the, the mobile one. So I, I can't, I forget the exact dollar amount, but maybe it was like $30,000. And I, I remember when we, when we won that, you know, it was, you know, today Rapid SOS is over, depending on how you count, we're 120 or 175 people. And, you know, um, you know at the time though, I remember going to Nick and be like, this is so much money. How are we ever going to spend $30,000? But it's just crazy like how, how all that occurred. Um and, and and you know, all those little things came together. And again and again, right, every step of the way, I was just calling and talking to nine one one people that would just take my call. It was just amazing, right? And, and um, you know, um there were um Christina Jacobi, who you know, and Paul Snow at the Cambridge Nine One One Center were, you know, like we spent so much time <laughs> in the Cambridge 911 Center. And and, you know, like you said, we were these like pimple-faced kids who knew nothing about 911, they were just, you know, they would just answer all of our questions. But Nick, Nick, um, just to kind of finish the point, I mean, Nick obviously is the driver of our technology. And and I think really, um, you know, my, I always want to, you know, try to move faster. I'm very motivated by, you know, every, every day that goes by is, about 800,000 911 calls at this point in the United States, and we still are only touching something like 92% of the. You know, there's, there's in the range 6,500 people that are, you know, need help today that, that we weren't able to reach. But, but yes. I think to the credit of Nick, he's always like, you know, moving fast is fine, but we can never jeopardize any of the system or the stability. And, and, and he, that comes from his nuclear engineering roots. So he's just a powerful voice for one of our, you know, one of our core values, which is trust and safety uh, at Rapid SLS.
1: So. And, and I definitely, I'm, I am going to circle back um, around to the trust and safety, um, but again, just to follow up on two things there is 100%, I, I, you, know, you, you were just talking about the Cambridge thing, so it made sense to just lead right into to how I got here um, with you, because I, I do think it's a fun and, a, and an entertaining story to say the least. When I found out that the folks at Cambridge, Paula and Christine and, and everybody there had been working with you for a while, and I'm like, what on earth are you people thinking? Do you not realize <laughs> what they're trying to do? And I just remember they were such big advocates, and here I come. So um, I did touch a little bit on it on my first podcast where I talked about uh, being at a state 911 commission meeting as the chief dispatcher of, of a Massachusetts agency. Knowing that they never allowed vendors into those meetings. So to have Reinhard Eckel sitting next to me, I know he's a vendor, I don't know why he's there. Um, and he, got, he himself got beat up pretty good by myself and um, several of the folks in there. And, and I think everybody was more or less just like, what are you thinking? And, and I look back now and, and I wasn't open to this. And, and what disappointed me when I, when I stopped to think about it was, you know, I'm so about making things better. And I wasn't sure why I was so resistant because that foolish little app actually saved some lives. And, you know, I think that's one of the biggest lessons I learned in this whole thing is you got to be open to change. I remember emailing my uh, Reinhard back and forth. I'm making these test calls all over my community. I remember it was a Friday night. It's like 1130. I may yes. have had a few Michelob I may <laughs> have gotten my child to drive mm. around on a golf cart, because I too am in a <laughs> rural area. And I remember texting my dispatcher and saying, I'm gonna test the app. And her response to me, and I, and I could probably go back, cause I don't get rid of text, And if I could probably go back to, to the summer of 2016 and find that text where it says, will you give it a rest? And I'm like, no, I'm going to take this company down. They are not going to produce an app that people have to download and call 911. So I remember getting on the golf cart. We go way out into the middle of this cornfield And I make the test call and she says, you are in Savelli's cornfield, you're trespassing, go home. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm like, And the frustrating, the the biggest frustrating piece for me was every, it was frustrating, but it wasn't, is every single test call, it was spot on, spot on. It knew exactly where I was, almost down to the room. So now I say to myself, if they're going to do this, I I want to make sure that they're doing it right and they're thinking of everything. And that started that kind of three month banter back and forth between myself and Reinhardt. And then I will never forget it. If looking at the calendar, it was probably about four years ago this week ish. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. And. He emails me and he says, Hey, our CEO Michael Martin is gonna be in Massachusetts meeting, um, going to the State 9-1 department. Will you meet with him? And this was my reply, oh hell yeah, bring it.
2: <laughs>
1: and then I'll let you pick up here as to <laughs> what happened when I responded. Yes, I will meet with him.
2: Yeah, so um so is that everyone, you know, probably at this point knows, knows Tracy. Uh, and so we, uh, so Reinhardt, come to me at this point, we, we, you know, we're super small, right. There was like maybe eight of us or something. It was like all engineering. And then like myself and Reinhardt. And so Reinhard was like, you know, we wanted to bring in someone who had deep expertise in public safety space. And so Reinhardt was like, you know, uh, you know, there's this woman in Massachusetts. She's like, really difficult to uh <laughs> to deal with but she really knows her stuff um and you know you should you know I, I I think she could be a really powerful hire for us you should go meet her so um so I was in, in in Massachusetts and remember I'm I'm still in grad student mode so I'm used to like you know working from like uh you know 10 a.m till 2 a.m and uh so the first thing is tra- I was like you know you know, Miss Eldritch, do you have a few minutes to connect? Whatever, and she's like, "Yeah, meet me at like six a.m." And I was like, "Oh, all right." <laughs> and then I get, seven. so I get to the <laughs> felt like three a.m. But anyway, so I get to the I get to the nine one agency and uh, and you know, go into the conference room and Tracy has this stack of printouts. And before I like can hardly even introduce myself, she's just like. What are you thinking? You can't do this. And she's just like, it's all annotated, marked up, you know, all out like, you know, it seemed like hundreds of calls you made and you had found some issue with, you know, all of them that you were going through. And and, and so for like 20 minutes, I didn't say a word. Tracy told me how terrible it all was. <laughs> and she was right for what it's worth. It was we had so much to learn. Uh and so afterwards, um, you know, it was just what Reinhardt had told me it was absolutely true. I was like, Your, you know, Tracy's passion, her insights, her expertise here. Like, I need this person to build this with me. You know, and I need to solve all these problems she just pointed out. Like, we have like hundreds of pages of things to fix here.
1: And recordings, I had recordings too because there was (laughs) the piece where it would send a recording if you couldn't speak, and that was not going to happen too.
2: (laughs) Yep, yep. So we, uh, yeah. So I. So after you were done kind of berating me, I uh my 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 uh my next step was to offer you a job basically on the spot and uh and you you were like, you seem very confused in this
1: <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not mistaken, I, I turned around to make sure there wasn't somebody else standing behind me. And I remember saying to you, like, me? Like, have you not talked to Reinhardt and and like I are you sure like he didn't mix me up with somebody else like that he had been dealing with because I'm really confused right
2: now yeah yeah so we uh and Tracy's like Nick wasn't an immediate yes so uh she was very skeptical (laughs) and I think that you know um you know it it felt like dating or something like we we just had to get to you know I think you had to get to know each other more particularly you had to build trust that we really were going to listen and we're committed to doing the right thing. Um, and, and I also think like, um, you know, like we needed to really hear all that from you. Um, you're the first, I think the first kind of remote hire for us, um, not out of our office in New York. So, um, but yeah, I remember, um, you know, you came down to New York, uh, and it was, uh, you know, that you, you finally said yes. And, and, uh, it's been an incredible journey, you know, since then. So,
1: Oh my gosh! It it really has. Um, I remember when you offered me the job. Um, you you totally caught me off guard. I, like I'm not gonna lie, never in a million years would I have expected that. Um, but to hear, you know, how I went about actually making the decision to leave my center, go back and listen to episode zero because it is on there. Um, but three days before you walked through the door. Um, with your little backpack and I kind of wanted to know where your dad was cause you know, I'm like, he looks 12. Wow. Um, but three days before that I had made the decision to leave the center because of my PTSD and that it was time and I had already put out feelers. So, you know, not only was I blown away that you were offering me a job because I thought you guys hated me. Um, and then I'm still skeptical. I'm wondering, did they, did you just hire me to get me to stop trying to take your company (laughs) out or did you really see that value in what I was going to bring? Um, so you, I, I remember looking at you, like probably dumbfounded. It was probably the first of very few times that I was speechless. We'll just, we'll just go with that. Um, and then I, I looked at you and I said, you know, um, So there's some irony. I'm getting ready to leave the center, and uh, I might actually think about this. However, um, I'm going to be very clear here. I'm not leaving the job that I truly love to sell anything to public safety, and I'm not promoting your stupid app.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That is that is that is like verbatim. Actually, it is still crystal clear to me. I remember I am not promoting your stupid app. (laughs) I
1: am not promoting your stupid app, and and you looked at me as serious as one of the heart attack, you know, callers that we were going to help. And you said, I, we are not going to sell it to public safety. We're going to give it to them for free. And we're going to get Apple and Google to put it in the operating system on the device. And let's go back to that quote that I picked for you. That was the precise moment that I thought you were crazy. I'm like, there is absolutely no way that Apple and Google are going to just put this technology in their devices and give it to a company with like 20 employees. And fast forward two years from that moment, from that moment, two years, we were in Nashville and made one of the biggest announcements in 911. for the first time in a long time in that, that Apple was partnering with us. And, and I was blown away. I believed in you. I don't know what it was. You were crazy. You were just as crazy in that moment that there was something that I truly believed in, in that moment. And you mentioned that I came to New York. Um, number one, I took, brought my husband and I felt, and it was funny because I felt like I was interviewing you guys, (laughs) Person. Yeah.
2: Well, you you really were. I mean, we we had offered you the job at that point, and you hadn't accepted it. So, yeah, yeah, we were. And you came in with like all these questions. Yep. Oh, yeah. I remember getting getting grilled by you again. Yep. Again <laughs> and
1: again and again. And I and I don't. And it, and it was funny because you just kind of let me loose. You said, "All right, well, here's our team." And it was the first office, right? And there was like what twenty seats in there, and they were all everybody was sitting yeah. on top of each other, and. There was one bathroom, and you had to wait in line to go to the bathroom. And and I remember Brian Evans. He was he was the first one I slid up to. I was sitting in my little chair, and I slid up, and he's looking at me. You know, like, uh, can I help you? And I'm like, why do I want here? And then we just talked, and we talked and talked and talked and talked. And, talked and he too, there was something about it. He just passed on the passion and the mission, and. And I, I met with so many people that day and, and we mm-hmm. went Yeah. later, we went off. And then the next morning I walked in and I accepted the job and I had no idea what I had just done. I was scared. I was nervous. But when I look back four years ago, it was without a doubt the best decision I ever made. And I remember coming to you in in, in about March. And when I came to you in March, I went into the city, I put some time on your calendar and I confided in you and I said, I'm struggling. I, I said, I'm I'm crying all the time. Um, I don't feel like I'm contributing. I don't feel like this is where I belong. My PTSD is so, I'm just in such a dark place right now. And I know I've only been here a couple of months, but I have to take off. I, I have to, I'm going to put myself in a program in Arizona and, and I needed your support. And I'm just curious, like, because there's folks in the 911 center that are that are struggling through some of these same things. Um, and they're afraid to go to their boss. And and I can yeah. appreciate that because it was really hard for me to go to you. Because my fear was you were going to be like, who did I just hire? Right. And that you were going to be like, sorry, you know, you got to go. What was going through your mind when I came to you and told you like, I, I needed to check out for a little while and I had to do this.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was, I I, I mean, everything that you do, you do 120% with so much passion. And, you know, I I remember that day very clearly, too, like, you were really hurting, you know, Um, and, you know, we, we, I mean, at that point, we were probably working 14, 16 hours a day, right? Um, I mean, you know, we, you know, we talk about you know, working with Apple and Google to 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 try to take on the challenge, and it was just it was challenging, right? Every step of the way, we were you know at that point we we're maybe twenty people or or something like that. You know, we 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 were trying to get the app out there while we were trying to get it embedded. We were trying to convince all these public safety software vendors, and just like, um, like it, it you become like a family, you know, when you go through that sort of experience together and it was such this bond of the mission between all of us right like like brian evans um who runs uh, uh qa for us or jeff sternberg who was instrumental in building that app obviously nick um uh me, um reinhardt and others and so like it's it, it was so you know seeing you like that i mean one i just wanted to hug you um and, and two Um, I mean, how how could you not want to do anything, you know, to support this? And and just like the courage. I mean, my father is a uh, marriage family counselor and I'm a such a believer in like the importance of mental health. Right. I mean, I feel like we we spend so much on our physical health and we spend so little attention and time on our mental health, you know, Um, and, and it's it's just like, you know, 16 hours a day you were, you know trying to get feedback and tell people about this, but also they're alongside 911 communicators that were dealing with the most challenging moments of, of, you know, of our lives. And there's just no reprieve for that, right? And I feel, you know, I I was so proud of you to have the courage to say that. And and this is, you know, it's a consistent theme. I mean, just like you had the courage to beat me up you know uh the first time and you had the courage to come down to rapid sos and not just say yes right the courage to say i want to make sure that your values and your mission are aligned with mine before i take you know take on this new role it was just another example of that um and it was you know i i hope that as we continue to grow and stuff that we can do more to support mental health of you know of, of, of public safety because it is, you know, I'll, like I said, Tracy, I'll never forget that that very first, you know, one of those very first calls. Like, you know, and I, I lasted 15 seconds, and that 911 communicator had the last 12 hours, right, day and day night, you know.
1: Well, I think you know when you say that you want to continue to do, you know, things for mental health. I think by supporting what I'm doing here at On Scene First. Is, is one step closer to that. Um, even even before that, supporting me as a West employee, when somebody you know, calls and says, hey, can you come do a presentation on mental health? This company supports that. The fact that this company is truly supporting the mental health act- aspect, I know it's a big deal. Folks have told me it's a big deal. And you mentioned our core values right? And trust and safety being um, just one of those kind of boxes, if you will. And this month, we're actually, um, each month we devote to our core values. And this month is trust and safety. So I thought it would be beneficial on the first day of July, as we highlight the trust and safety for Rapid SOS, was to reach out to some of my 91 family and ask them for just little video clips, um to share with our team to to show why why is it that folks in the field trust us what did that little montage of videos from a whole bunch of folks in the 9-1 space mean to you um about how this profession is is trusting us to do what we're doing yeah.
2: uh, it was one of the more emotional moments you know probably in my life Tracy um you know um So like, you know, as I said, I know I I started as this super nerdy kid that, you know, wasn't very popular or (laughs) very accepted um, and had this experience and knew nothing about public safety and 911. And then, you know, for the last eight years, so many people have helped us build this and take on. Stupid ideas that we had along the way right and no like knowing nothing about public safety right living you know being these tech nerds and and help build it and it was not you know we've had a lot you know it's amazing like uh, like you know the the folks at the at at nina like literally going word by word through our website telling us you know that's inappropriate you shouldn't say that and like um You know, the folks at APCO, similarly, some of the first media that came out about us being, you know, really teaching me, like, this is, you know, this is what it means to really be a part of this community. And so to see now eight years later and to see the, you know, the people that have joined that movement and become a part of this with us and just those video clips was extraordinarily powerful. And I hope that we can, you know, so often I think Rapid SOS gets, some degree of credit that that you know we really you know like yes we're you know we're technology behind this but I mean like the the location data is Apple and Google's location data right 100%. and the yeah. right and the people that use that to save lives are you know the thirty five thousand public safety telecommunicators in the United States, right? So so you know we're a tiny enabler in that ecosystem. Um but it's you know, it's something that for me, I, I didn't talk about this, but it was after I had that experience, my father had a separate incident where he slipped and fell off the roof of my childhood home uh, in rural Indiana. And, um, you know, we don't have really cell reception where we're at. Like we have Wi-Fi, like you ought to be able to make a Skype call or, you know, uh, iMessage into nine one or something like that. But none of that was that ecosystem was available. And like now to be here eight years later and to have 5,000 or close to 5,000 public safety agencies that are using this every day, that are working with us to improve it, where we're building health data through and and, and security data and all this stuff. It, it just was really emotional, Tracy, because it's like just a sense of gratitude, right? Like, you know, you and me could never have done this, right? For all of our energy, all of our passion, all of our commitment, it's and even our team today, right, you know, 120 people could never do this, right? It is the tens of thousands of first responders that have joined us, have told their neighboring agencies, you know, the, the telecommunicators that went to their directors and convinced them that we needed to, need to get this. Yeah. Every single step of the way was not easy. And, and it's, it's that community that came together. And, and that video was just that, a crisp, you know, crystallization of that for me that so many people have come to do this. And I hope, you know, I, there was um, some really kind words for Rapid S1 in that video, but I think really what those kinds were, were towards the community that is Rapid S1. It's not just, you know, the 120 people that, that are, you know, are, are directly inside the company, but as I mentioned, the, all the circles of people around us that have helped build this.
1: I, I agree 100%. Um, and it is important to to highlight the fact that, no, we didn't, there's, we did not do this alone. And it's all about that trust, right? And so for Apple and Google to trust us and say, hey, we, we trust and believe what you're doing and to send that data. I know as a, a chief dispatcher, at least, at least three times a week, somebody was calling my center to try to put something in my 911 center um, to help responders or, or help the callers and to be able to work with our vendor partners who are, you know, integrating into the existing equipment because everybody knows the importance of having it in that actual workflow.
2: You know, the extraordinary public safety software community yep. that, you know, like, like we would, you know, this only works when we get it inside your, you know, your call handling, your CAD, your mapping, your integrated applications, all those different systems. And, you know, we, we um, as most folks know, we don't, we don't pay um, our software vendor partners, so they have to do all that engineering. You know, and we, and we actually the other way around. We, we we really try to get them not to charge, and so they right. have to do that because it's the right thing to do. And to have you know over 100 vendors that have done that, and, and uh, thousands of different systems now that are integrated, means that this life saving data can now be integrated into that flow. And then I think the other side of this is, is obviously like the, you know, the the, te- the technology companies. I mean. Um, Apple and Google are like the best, you know, some of the best engineers in the world, right? And I I could never figure out how to precisely locate someone inside a giant concrete building, but somehow they figured out how to do that, right? And so, yeah, I mean, we do the easy work, right? Like, we're the pipes to get that through. Um, And we, you know, we're fortunate to do that now around health information from security systems, some of the stuff we just announced this past week, connected buildings now. Um, uh, AI for uh, uh, weapon detection for mass shooting incidents. So I think you know um, we we've come a long way because of the support of all these people. But I also think we're just getting started. Um, and you know one of the things that's awesome is we have about 150 uh, public safety agencies that work with us and iterate on new ideas. Yep. And so they've come to us with all sorts of new ideas. Our work in security came out of them. Um, and 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 you know saying like. You know, something like 20 plus percent of my 911 calls coming from alarms and, and 90 plus percent of those are false. Like, you know, we need you to solve that. So actually, Tracy, I'm just going to run and grab this. this uh, it's the most important part about our work. I keep it, keep it with me, but just um, the stories from our 911 agencies um, of the lives that they save, right? So I have like one of our, as folks know, if you come to our office, we have these laying around, but this is just. A recent recent book that was made and every page of the life that was saved um and as you know i carry this around with me in my backpack i have one in my bedside table and it is just a extraordinary thing to work with this community to impact you know for hundreds of millions of americans every single you know every single year in the united states so um it, it's been a, an amazing journey but there's there's more work More work to do, Tracy. (laughs) Oh, there
1: so is. There so is. We have a whole group of folks that are working around the clock. And when I say that, Michael, how many times have you and I had a conversation at 2 a.m.? Because we're both on Slack. (laughs) <laughs>
2: the same time. Tr- 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 Tracy and I only talk at least after 10 p.m. on Friday nights, it seems like, uh, or t- we're doing this on uh, a Saturday, uh, so only on the weekends.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> but- and, and I can't tell you how many people are, are, are so dedicated to this mission. Um, so I I truly want to wrap this up. Um, thank you so much for your time, uh, especially on a Saturday. I, I know that we both tend to work um, these crazy hours, but is there anything final you want to say to the folks that are listening?
2: Rapid SOS wouldn't have existed without Tracy kicking my butt, right? <laughs> and so many other people along the way, Christy Williams and Mark Fletcher and Brian Ponce and Nina and Jeff Cohen at AFCO and others that did, you know, hard to even use words for Tracy, but the amount of gratitude, like, you know, I guess, I, you know, I worked most of the day today on a Saturday because like, What an extraordinary privilege to work towards solving this challenge with so many amazing people that were working like us all over the United States today to manage, you know, I think, um, I didn't look at the data from today, but yesterday I think we supported about 750,000 911 calls, like it was the community that was on the other side of those lines, right, that were managing those intense emergencies are that community has made all of this happen and frankly has inspired and transformed my life personally and so um it's an extraordinary privilege to work with this community every day and and um i just want to express my profound gratitude for everyone who's helped build this along the way
1: well i can truly attest to that and you know we are one of we're we're one of the front runners with the ability of sending additional data, and I know that when folks, you know, I'll ask in a lot of my training sessions, you know, if I say the word next generation nine one one to you, what does it mean? And I get four very familiar answers: text to nine one one, pictures, videos, and retirement. Right. So this is what people, people folks are not they're not over the moon about being able to see pictures and videos and that mental health aspect of it is so very important. Um, But I think folks are truly starting to see that NG911 is not just pictures and videos. It is additional data that is helping them already be able to to deliver the right response and, and help. And I think they're starting to accept it more um, but I will wrap up with the piece about the mental health aspect. That is going to be a passion of mine forever. There are too many folks that we have lost along the way because of the challenges of this profession. And if we can continue to, to help folks in that aspect, I, it's not work for me. And, and you know that if, if this is not work for me, the what I the opportunity that I've been given here, not only just being here, but what you guys have allowed me to do with on scene first, there is a large portion of this platform that is going to be dedicated to mental health and, and I want to say thank you so much for for allowing that and seeing the value in that so With that, we will go
0: ahead and wrap up. And thanks, Michael. I appreciate your time. Thank you. On Scene First with Tracy Eldridge is supported by Rapid SOS. Make sure you join us next time for episode two. My guest will be Ricardo Martinez. Ricardo is the creator of Within the Trenches podcast and I Am 911 movement. I cannot wait for Ricardo to share some exciting news about what he will be doing for our 911 family. Make sure you like and follow my Facebook and LinkedIn page On Scene First with Tracy Eldridge so you too can keep up with all of my shenanigans. Thank you, heroes, from the bottom of my blessed heart. Stay safe, stay strong, and stay here. We need you.